KRCL, Salt Lake City. Welcome to Radioactive, a show for grassroots activists, community builders, punk rock farmers, and DIY creatives. I'm Laura Jones, and it is International Women's Day. Tonight on the show, Rashawn Leak is giving up the show, and a bunch of us are taking it over. Coming up tonight, we've got Sue Robbins on the mic. Hey, Sue. How you doing, Laura? I'm so glad you're here. We're going to get a legislative update, aren't we? Yes, we are. It's great to be back. I even have queued up. A Joan Jett version of everyday people when we're ready Perfect. for it. Okay. I'm ready for that. <laughs> also on the show, Tamrika Kaptisiashvili, who is a community co-host emeritus, much like you, Sue, uh, will join us via clips. She has been teaching folks in Uzbekistan remotely, and she did some interviews with some women to share what their lives are like, so we're going to have that on the show as well. We have Ivoni Nash of Talakola. Hi, Ivoni. Malolele, and hello to everybody. I'm so glad you're here to join us as well and update us on the show, but also what's going on in Tonga since the natural disaster there. You're finally kind of sort of getting more communications with the islands? Yes, finally. Uh, but it's not very, very good, but we finally get a whole of people in the island and we can mm -hmm. talk to them. And then we also have from the Utah Ukrainian Association, Anya Bruce is joining us. Hi, Anya Bruce. Hi. Thanks so much for coming down. There's a lot going on in the Ukrainian community in Utah yes. to support the more than now, what, I think I read two million folks internally displaced yeah. given the invasion of Russia. And you still have some family and friends back there, right? Yes, I do. We're going to hear your story and what it is you want Utahns to know and how they can help. There's so much that the Utah Ukrainian Association is doing. So folks, do stick around for that. Questions, comments, suggestions about the show, you can always email us, radioactive at krcl.org. And a big thank you to everyone on International Women's Day who came down and played their hour of music. And of course, you can hear the last two hours of any show at krcl.org. You go to the programs tab, choose the show, the date, so, uh, like, if you wanted to hear who was on at 6 or 7 this morning, you go and choose the brand new day program, and you'll hear what was on on this date. So you can do that at krcl.org. Yvonne Nash, let's start with you and talk about Talakola, which uh, is a show heard around the world, thanks to krcl.org. And I would love to you, for you to just give a primer for folks who may not be familiar with the show, because it's Sunday nights. 10 to midnight, right? It is Sunday night, 10 to midnight, and we talk in our language, and, but we are bilingual. And we update the Tongan community, the Pacific Islander community, about what's going on in the world and in here in Utah. Uh, we update them, especially this time when we have this COVID-19. Uh, we are the radio that they turn into to listen to what's going on and to find out where they go to get their shots and to find out where they go get the resources. You're a verified source of information. Right. Trusted in the Pacific Islander community broadly. Right. And we have listeners from around the world mm -hmm. that listen to us and they even call us when they can. And yeah. you are about to come back live as well. You get yes. your team ready. We are excited. I am excited to come back live. 
you know, folks, if you haven't seen Ivoni doing a live show, she's got it on Facebook Live. She's got it on the Internet. She's got multimedia going and great news and information, bilingual, as you said. But tell us what's happened in the weeks since the natural disaster hit the islands. I remember you coming on Radioactive and talking about how you're on the phone with somebody. Who was that? It was my friend. And I didn't we didn't know what's going on. I just happened to FaceTime here at that time and then she go, oh wait around, we we heard that there will be a tsunami and instead of them running to higher ground, they run to the beach to see what tsunami look like. What? Yes, that's, <laughs> that's what happened in Tonga. But then when they running around, then uh, talking to them, I had this big loud rupture of the volcano. Oh my. And it hit me, I can hear it. And she go, oh my gosh, this, the, the volcano is, going on right now and in a minute I hear the acid rain the rain I see it because we are FaceTime on top of her car and all over and all of a sudden we see all the uh, the tsunami coming on yeah yeah and then the line go dead that's when my heart dropped I was crying I was so scared I couldn't um, you know you in that time you don't know where to turn Mm. And, and and the line went back in Tonga for a long, long time. We just started to talk to them last week. Last week, so that's yeah, been weeks. We, yes, weeks and weeks. They have the cable was under the ocean and the rupture disconnected. Mm. So they have people that do it. Since that time, I'm sure you've been front and center as part of the National Tongan American Society, putting on fundraisers, collecting things to mm-hmm. to help folks back in the islands. And I'm guessing folks still need help? They still need help, um, especially to me. I, I just talked to someone yesterday, and they said, it's raining very hard in here. And when it's thunder, it scares the heck out of us. Yeah. All our thoughts go back to the... July, January 15, when the rupture, we thought they, there will be another one coming out. out. Mm. And they need help uh, emotionally, um, and they need help. In, in, but there are lots of, 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 some of the governments are helping Tonga, mm-hmm. and some of the people, nice people around here in Utah and worldwide, they are helping. Uh, the Tongan people in the Pacific Islander people help the villages. Yeah. Uh, they send food, send clothes, and stuff like that to the villages, which the people that they know. Um, later on, the government is going to send, they send their fund and stuff like that, but then they will distribute it because some of the little islands got to wipe, they wipe out. There's no one over there, so they evacuate them, move them to another island and try to uh, they put them in a church building, uh, trying to build houses and stuff like that for them. But here at the National Tongan American Society, we have a co-fund page. And what we are trying to do uh, is to help the people in a community. Uh, of these people, that their little island got, got wiped out. We will help with their schooling. Maybe we will send material to the schools. Uh, to help the little kids go to school and mm. and help in things like that, get water, and because the government will go in into the building and stuff like that. What we have is 
to help the people right on the ground. We'll put a link in the show notes, folks, so you can get involved in helping with the situation in Tonga. And I want to connect what Utahns are doing to help there with what Utahns are doing to help with the situation in Ukraine. And Anya Buse is with us from the Utah Ukrainian Association. And earlier today, there was some activity up on Utah's Capitol Hill with your husband, just actually, who's out in the lobby. Um, And there is another rally happening this weekend. But Anya, can you start with just telling us a bit about your family? And you were born in Ukraine, correct? Yes, ma'am. Born and raised. Born and raised. I came to the States when I was 28 years old. Mm -hmm. Um, I was born near a city, Mariupol. We hear a lot about Mariupol. Unfortunately, yes. Not in the good light. And, um, but I have family all over Ukraine. I have family in Poltava, in Kyiv, in Vinnytsia, Odessa, Mykolaiv. Well, if you're not familiar with Ukrainian map, it's pretty much all over. It's yeah. northeast, uh, west, central Ukraine, everywhere. And, and I haven't, um, I'm just now pulling up to see what's going on. What is the latest news you've had? Are you in contact with folks over there? Some, yes. I just spoke today with my cousin and her husband in Odessa, and uh, they hear some shootings and bombings outside of the city, but um, they still feel somewhat safe. Um, I haven't heard from relatives in Mykolaiv, which is closer to Crimea, and I don't have any contact with my family and friends in Mariupol for a week now. So the organizing that you're doing here in Utah, is that giving you something that you feel you can do to be productive and, and help? Yes, because, listen, if I was home, I feel like I could be doing all these things, feeding these soldiers, I could be running, sending messages, taking care of kids and all these things but when I'm here so far away and so used to transferring money by Venmo or something like that you know I do not have a bank account in Ukraine to send money over there and frankly at this point nobody in Mariupol can get that money yeah so I have to find ways from outside of the city from outside of the cave and other cities that are being under siege right now, um, find a way, um, find people that now I call my family. Yeah. A lot of them I've met maybe once in my life, but now because I've been in communication with them, I feel like we're all this big Ukrainian family and we're trying to figure out ways how, how things can be delivered to particular individuals and um, here in Utah we've been gathering everything and anything medicine clothing I'm sorry tampons all of that stuff that everything is everything is needed we've been donating money to people over there I personally that I personally know so they could go buy food in the cities that still have that option to go to the store and buy a bunch of food and then deliver it to those that need. And being part of LDS Church really helps because I have um, community over there. Yeah, so you're in touch with yeah. your counterparts in the church yeah. in Ukraine. So on Saturday, March 12th, from 1 to 4 p.m., is another Stand with Ukraine March and Rally. 
So folks are being asked to meet at City Creek, I believe, right? Yes, 55 ma'am. South Main. Mm-hmm. And then they'll be marching up the south side of State Street to the Capitol building. And from 1.30 to 2.30, there will then be a rally. And um, what is it that you're asking as the Ukrainian Association of Utah? What uh, Do you have a message? Right. Yeah. Um, we're trying to reach out everybody, not just Ukrainians and Russians in Utah. We're trying to reach out all Americans. We're trying to let people know <coughs> that Ukrainians need help. And here in Utah, I get a lot of messages and phone calls and hugs, and that's really helpful. I can't give that to my friends and family in Ukraine right now. I know how you feel about your friends in Tonga. But... Um, what we can do, we can donate money. We can ask our representatives. Um, we can reach out to congressmen and senators and ask them on their level to do as much as possible. Um, I know a lot of Ukrainians are asking to protect Ukrainian sky. I don't know how possible that is. You're talking about a no-fly zone. No-fly zone, mm-hmm. yes, ma'am. I don't, I mean, I don't understand politics enough. I mean, I, I can't pretend. I don't know if it's the best decision, I'll be honest. Because when you deal with somebody as um, unpredictable and quite frankly irrational as the president of Russian Federation, I don't know what we can expect from that man mm-hmm. and his government at this point. So it's a huge risk. I know a lot of Ukrainians pleading um, to have that no-fly zone. So we're talking with Anya Buse of the Utah Ukrainian Association. We'll put a link in the show notes. There is a Stand with Ukraine march and rally on Saturday. Starts at 1 at City Creek and walks up to the state capitol building. Hopefully the weather will cooperate, and that's one thing in watching the news coverage. This is happening during the winter. We're seeing all that collateral damage and the fallout and what is happening to civilians and here we are on international women's day and um is there anything that you would ask of folks right now on international women's day to to consider um, anya or ivoni when it comes to helping in these situations ivoni you know, I'd I, I like to share this with you on the International uh, Women's Day. The first Friday of March is when our local community over here uh, celebrated with a word of prayers. And when um, last Friday, when the Reverend opened our get-together with a prayer, the first thing he was praying for the people for, of Ukraine. He was asking, he was praying that... Uh, for the Lord that we believe in, to please soften the heart of the Russian people, leaders. So uh, he was praying for the mothers in Ukraine first, and then he, uh, it, it makes us all feel warm, and we know that we are all together, and we know that's the first thing that comes to us, because what happened in Tonga, it's okay, it's not a war, and we will will cope but that's the first thing that comes to our mind Mm -hmm. and that is really beautiful when everybody around the world 
uh, all feel the same. The love though with the Ukraine people and what we can do to help. Our community would love to help you. Just put up all the information and we'll all come together as one. And if it is not for everybody, but for women's. Right. The women's, um, it's really important. Like when you talk about that, that was the very first time the Reverend opened our prayer was praying for the women of Ukraine. And uh, we've seen a lot of the news coverage of what's happening to families who are trying to evacuate. There are things you can do here in Utah to help. And the Utah Ukrainian Association put up a great Facebook post today with a list of them. And I'll be sure to copy them into the show notes. There's the March and Rally on Saturday. And then on Sunday, March 13th at 8 at the Cathedral of the Madeline, Anya, is a Founders Day concert at the Cathedral of the Madeline. And it's dedicated to Ukraine. There's also the governor's drive to the governor's fundraiser in relation with a whole bunch of folks under drive to assist and the Larry H. Miller group of companies will put that in there for donations down in Orem. It looks like on March 26th, a Ukrainian benefit garage sale. It's kind of tentative right now, but it's getting organized and there are petitions to sign. One of the last things. Anya, that was noted in this Facebook post was an invitation for children to write letters to Ukrainian soldiers. And what is it you suggest for for those letters? Because uh, we can write in English. (laughs) A lot of Ukrainians speak English, right? Yeah. Um, First of all, thank you so much for all the prayers. I reach out to my friends, and some of my friends are fighting in this war. And they say, you don't see it, but we can feel it. Sometimes we feel like I should have been shot, but I wasn't. And I know it's because so many people are praying for me. Well, that's uh, um, one of the guys personally told me that. And those letters, oh my gosh, I mean, everybody wants to be loved, wants to be heard, wants to be appreciated and um if if that's what people can say in their letters that's awesome if they can say we're praying for you and if the kids can draw a heart <laughs> yeah everybody understands that language of love anya i'm grateful that you took some time to come down and share your story i can hear in your voice how painful it is and how afraid you are for your your fellow countrymen and women and um thank you I appreciate it. Thank you. Check tonight's show notes for a link to utahukrainians.org, as well as the Facebook page, which is, I believe it's Love Ukrainians, right? <laughs> uh, so that's the handle to look for on Facebook. But uh, Ivoni, before I let you go, I got your Helen Reddy queued up because I know you love this song. Um, but I wanted to talk about the National Tongan American Society and all the good works that you do in that organization. And you put out a Save the Date notice today for the Friendly Islands Festival in August 11th, 12th, and 13th at Jordan Park, right? Right. Um, we Talk will sell that. That's the 25th year of, of us here in Utah putting up the, the largest um, uh, Friendly Island Festival out of Tonga. And it's going to be the 25th. And thank you for KLCL. They are always with us in kind donation and, and sponsor our our event for the last 25 years, and, and thank you for that. But we will have that, and it's open to the public, and it's open where we're going to showcase our 
We want the people to know who we are, what we are here, and we are not just a neighbor, but we are people to stay here. And we have lots of programs that we give out. Uh, we do uh, during the we we do civic engagement a lot, uh, introducing and encouraging our people to become American citizen and to register to vote because it counts when you vote. Don't just uh, stay without being like that. So we teach classes in health, and we are trying to, to, to get people to file for their disability, their Medicare, Medicaid, and all those uh, those uh, stuff that, you know, all those resources that some of our people don't know. Or feel that perhaps they don't qualify for, for or afraid to ask for certain certain reasons? Because of language barrier, we mm -hmm. are there, and and we have lots of them that become American citizens. I know that last year we resisted about 6,000 people. Wow. 6, and, and that was only in Utah, but all across America. We connect with all our partners in, in all the states. Uh, to help us get our Pacific Islander to register to vote. Well, the Friendly Islands Tongan Festival, save that date, folks, in August, the 25th anniversary, and my favorite is the food, the music, the dance, the conversation, and just, I, I love the name of it, too, because it truly is friendly. Yes, thank you. A community you. event at Jordan Park, and again, we'll put those details in our show notes, including the GoFundMe that's going on for right. the people of Tonga recovering from the natural disaster of a few weeks back. And again, Talakola, Sunday nights, 10 to midnight here on KRCL. And thank you for listening. It's really, we love our Talakola show because we have people all over the world that listen to us. They jump in and join in and enjoy the show. All right. So I asked you for a song. And we have this conversation, I think at least once a year, about was it Anne Murray or Helen Reddy? And it's Helen Reddy. Why do you love this song? I love it because of, I like that song because of I'm a woman. <laughs> <laughs> and this is a women's week. And, and if it is not for us, nothing will move. And I think the women play a big part in, this, uh, in the world. And even no matter uh, you are in Ukraine and you are from another uh, country, but the women's are the gift that God ever made. <laughs> We are the we are the women that once we decided to do something, we do it. Thank you so much for coming, Anya and Ivone. We're gonna get to Sue Robbins in a bit, as well as some conversations, uh, global conversations that Tamrika Katisiashvili recorded for us with students in Uzbekistan. But here, just for you, Ivone Nash. Thank you, Helen Reddy. I am woman on KRCL. My name is Nigora. I'm from Uzbekistan. I'm an English teacher uh, at the public school and I'm 34 years old woman and I have three children and um, well, what else? And now nowadays I'm studying at the master's degree. <laughs> so I'm a 17 teenager. My full name is Camila Sirova. Um, actually, uh, Sirova is a famous like a household name, especially in Russia, because of the Russian painter. 
um, and I'm a little bit proud of it, I can say that, um, and I especially love cats. Uh, my name is Samira, and uh, I'm 16 years old. I'm still a student, and that's basically it. You're a young woman in Uzbekistan. You have a whole life ahead of you. What is or are some of your biggest dreams? For instance, it is to pursue my career path, uh, which is being a graphic designer and show the world how bright and colorful I see it. And maybe I'll even help some people see it the way I do by uh, creating my own vision of the world. And I see it as something very beautiful to do. One of my life dreams is um, becoming something more than I actually are. Um, it's like an overwhelming feeling when you are uh, feel um, that you are not only re responsible for yourself, but for the people around you. And I really like this impact uh, with my life. Um, the second thing I would be, uh, I'm actually a self-taught pianist and I really like uh, to play the piano, uh, but unfortunately I didn't have a chance to pursue uh, my uh, childhood dream. And now I'm trying to um, continue doing this. What kind of music do you want to play on the piano? Um, you know, I'm actually a melomaniac. Um, I can listen both rock, I can listen jazz. I really into jazz music. I can listen even a classical music um, like Antonio Vivaldi. Um, and I can, I, I, I really love Michael Jackson. So I can say I'm a, I'm a fan of pop music as well. Um, but I really like to play uh, some um so uh, some sensitive tracks on the piano for people to feel my feeling i think this way i can express myself not only uh i mean without any words because i'm a shy person by nature and sometimes expre express expressing myself is really hard uh, this and so while playing piano i can do it without saying anything all three of you are women and I want you to talk to me about women's role in Uzbekistan. For instance, if you asked me that like several years ago, I would say that they are just objects for uh, multiplication. But now I don't think that way because uh, we're now more obligated to um, do the stuff we usually don't. And I'm really happy for that change. Um, we're now obligated to um, go anywhere we like, uh, be anywhere we, uh, be anyone we want, yeah. Okay, Camilla, what about you? What do you think about um, women's role in Uzbekistan and if, if you see any changes? Well, I totally agree with Samira view um, because we're um, both teenagers and I see a completely a complete shift from what um, women were like. Uh, for example, when my mother was younger, when my grand grandmother was younger, um, there is a great shift not only in terms of um, workplaces, but uh, in terms of um, uh, like uh, a family member. Um, so I think in the past uh, women were oh, like. Uh, 
doing household chores and that was uh, the only thing that they could do this uh, then and now um, they're just um, we are really free now we can pursue our career uh, we can uh, either uh, work from home we can either travel abroad we can do everything we want now and I'm really happy that I'm living uh, in this time when I'm not obligated to sit at home because I would really hate it. Um, I think I would, <laughs> yeah, I think I would uh, be really angry and uh, maybe uh, they would really call me some like witch or um, I don't know because uh, I'm not quite agree uh, with um, um, like it was a label that was put in women uh, that we must to sit at home and uh, raise our children and that was the only way to like live for, for women but now uh, it's so free um, we can uh, just like I said we can do everything we want and um, we are not likely to be judged for this um, um, in the present time. Nibor I want you to jump in and Give me your thoughts as well. Well, um, as you know, I'm married uh, woman and my students are not. Yeah, uh, that is why uh, there are many dreams uh, for women and they just dream all of uh, all of the world that they, they want to stay uh, they want to become an engineer. They want to be a, an economist and everything they wanted, but it's limited. When, uh, for example, I didn't want to be a teacher as well. And my profession is journalism, international journalism, but I changed my profession um, due to my family condition. And my husband insists me to be a teacher. And that is why I'm a teacher here. But yeah, I'm proud of being teacher, but uh, our just situation, our condition is depend on our family condition as, as well. And I want that uh, all of our husbands understand our willings, our dreams also. Because, for example, I just want to continue my uh, degree. For example, I want a PhD degree, but there's some um, limited, uh, send, uh, limited words from my husband. And, and I know that my dream will be realized in the future. But, I, I want that uh, the woman's role must be settled in our Uzbekistan. And all of our women should study, uh, should enter the university and wants to be as they want it uh, from their childhood. For example, Camila and, uh, and Samira wants to be uh, one of the professional, skillful, for example, Camila wants to be a skillful business manager, let it be so. And Samira wants to be a designer, uh, if I'm not mistaken, any matter, uh, I don't know, but let it be so. And I want that every woman should, uh, should become as they want it. Because uh, for example, I love uh, my profession. I love journalism, but I changed this profession, but still I'm not regretting, but I changed it. Uh, because yeah. of my family condition. Every woman uh, women should um, be confident and should be independent. And 
I have two daughters and I want also that uh, they will choose the best, um, the best profession in their life. And uh, they just uh, to be a professional, uh, professional, skillful doctor in, uh, in the future also. And uh, this is my dream uh, as a mother. <laughs> Tamrika Kavtisiashvili, a radioactive community co-host emeritus, in conversation with three women from Uzbekistan. She has been teaching them remotely. And I have just one more conversation to share. Actually, it's a first-person um, testimonial isn't the right word, but uh, she asked a young woman, just 15 years old, Savara, to share her perspective as a young woman in Uzbekistan today. My name is Sevara. I'm 15 years old. I'm a student. I study at a high school. I usually did a lot of home preparation for them and I liked everything I was doing in them. I really tried hard in them sometimes, but despite my efforts, I wasn't good at math. I'm a sociable person, so I have a lot of friends among my schoolmates. It's for me. Um, I appreciate people's kindness, honesty and intelligence. So I don't like when people are rude and aggressive. I really want people to know about Uzbek culture, the history of the ancient cities of Uzbekistan. For example, Uzbekistan lies at the core of the ancient Silk Road. It's a country that is home to the three most important Silk Road cities, Samarkand, Bukhara and Hiva. Uzbekistan's UNESCO World Heritage Gym, the incredibly historic town of Samarkand, is a melting pot of cultures from all over the world. In my opinion, in Uzbekistan, true human freedom is a promote and freedoms have been created in every field. I think that when we say freedom, we mean the five basic freedoms, speech, religion, press, assembly, and the right to petition the government. And all these freedoms exist in Uzbekistan. Uzbekistan is sacred name of paradise. I have been living in Uzbekistan for 15 years. I'm proud to be Uzbek. I cannot breathe without Uzbek national food, its fruits and vegetables. Also, I'm captivated by historical buildings of Samarkand, Bukhara and Hiva. I really adore Bukhara because of its weather, nature and kind people. For example, tourism, architecture, business, culture, political system and so on. If you don't believe my words, I recommend you to come to Uzbekistan and see once. And that is the perspective of Savara in Uzbekistan, collected and recorded by Tamrika Kavtisiashvili, a radioactive community co-host emeritus on this International Women's Day edition of the show. Hey, this is Joe Leek. Um, I'm on here for International Women's Day, and I want to dedicate the High Women Crowded Table. And really, the reason I'm dedicating this song today is whether traveling alone in India, volunteering with children, traveling in Ghana with Roshan, or just thriving during, you know, the hardest year of COVID with my amazing family. Music continuously inspires me to, you know, process whatever I'm feeling in that moment. And sometimes I'm carrying other people, and sometimes I need people to help lift me up. So really just want to come on here and dedicate this to all the brilliant and strong women who inspire me daily and those that help support equality and further our representation in all spaces. So happy International Women's Day. This is Crowded Table by the High Women on KRCL.
Support for KRCL comes from our listeners and the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. As many as 2 million people have been displaced in Ukraine. The Utah Ukrainian Association has a list of ways you can help. Find them on Facebook under the handle Love Ukrainians or the Connect page of krcl.org. Uh, Joan Jett and the Blackhearts, little everyday people on this International Women's Day edition of Radioactive. I'm Laura Jones, and joining me now, we got Sue Robbins. Sue Robbins, Radioactive Community Co-host Emeritus. Thanks for coming in today. Uh, love coming back. Love seeing the new studio. Love seeing everybody again. It's been so hard having this separation. So it's the first time back, and I love it. Well, and let's explain to folks, you used to host Monday nights, yes. and through COVID, you were my champion, recording all these things with us, and uh, you're like, at a certain time, you said, Laura, I really need to focus on um, behind-the-scenes policy work, and that's when you stepped away from the microphone and joined the Transgender Advisory Council. You may have already been on that council, actually, with <laughs> Equality Utah, I'm guessing, but really started digging into the 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 work of policy making when it comes to transgender rights in utah and especially as it affects our youth and we're going to dig into the legislature now folks on this international women's day edition of the show because there were some surprise twists after close of business after close of candidate filing as robert gerke in the salt lake tribune pointed out with this surprise and i want you to just kind of set the table for us about the priorities that you and Equality Utah had and what happened. So coming into this session, we knew there was gonna be two bills that were targeting transgender youth. One was to take away their health care, and the other was to impact the way they were able to participate in sports. And I'm saying it broadly because it took on many faces as it went along. This is the third year in a row that we've had that attack on the medical side and it's the third year in a row that it didn't go anywhere at all. Three times. It really needs to not go anywhere anymore. We don't want to see or hear from that one. And by medical, you're talking about gender-affirming care for trans youth yes. in particular. And as you were talking about in our little break here while we're off mic, Idaho just passed something along these lines. So this morning, Idaho, with a bill that I still need to consume the the very details of it, but it is intended to ban health care, and in it is a clause that says if you provide affirming care to transgender youth, you're subject to a life sentence in jail for being affirming. And that's just beyond horrible. I mean, if we, if we got Texas going on, and we have this going on, and the transgender youth are completely under attack. And the other bill was this sports commission. Let's talk about this bill. Yeah, so two years ago, there was a bill that never came to the light that we were talking with the sponsor on where he wanted to codify how the Olympics did it without the actual testing, which is just a hormone-based policy. At the same time, the Utah High School Athletic Association put a hormone-based policy in place. So. We really didn't need a law. We already had it there in policy, but we love to make laws around here so that we can just say it a little stronger. And it's, it can be hate. It can be a lot of things. It feels kind of painful sometimes for that. Mm -hmm. Last year, uh, we ended up with a new sponsor, and she came forward with a ban, 
and it passed the House strongly, but it died in the Senate committee, presumably because the Utah Jazz spoke up with the governor, which was uh, put out by Brian Schott of the Tribune that he had discovered that had happened. Timing, I'm not sure I get the, I, I understand the relationship from it, but I presume if a committee just drops a bill after passing the House, that there's probably a relationship there's something there. something going on back, back, well, back of the house. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. We can only make assumptions, but uh, mm. one plus one usually equals two. Apparently I'm good with the assumptions. So. <laughs> so, But one of the things we kept saying in committee is that we were willing to step up and spend the year talking with the sponsor to see where we could go. Uh, commit the time to try and come to terms together for something that we could both support. So we had a lot of meetings that started up in around June, July timeframe. And in November, the sponsor came forward with a bill at interim that we didn't get to read ahead of time. So it, it was a, a little bit of a surprise to us, but it was basically, if you change your birth certificate and if you have on some form of hormone therapy, then you can participate in girls sports if you're a transgender girl. Uh, what they did for transgender boys along the way always was anywhere from just leaving them out of the bill to saying if you're a transgender boy and you start testosterone, you have to go to the boy sports. So the focus wasn't there. The focus was always over on the transgender girls because marketing. If you want to sit here and create a wedge issue, you start talking about your soft and delicate girls that are under attack. And that's what it always is. That's what it was when it was there was bathroom bills. I want to tell them, yeah, I'm a little bit of a feminist and I don't need those men protecting me. <laughs> I don't think any of us need those men protecting me. Yeah. Senator Reby said on the Senate floor, Senate floor, I don't need you protecting me. Uh, so that bill was what came into the legislative session, the, the birth certificate of the hormones. Mm -hmm. So we came out and said, well, we have maybe a framework here. We'd like to work on some of this. Like the birth certificate seemed very extraneous. But if we already had a policy of hormones and then we had a law of hormones, that's a lot better than the ban we had a year ago. So there's something to talk about here. And then uh, what happened in the national discourse is we had one transgender person who is successful at sports. This is Leah Thomas. This Leah runner. Thomas of the University of Pennsylvania. She broke some conference records, won some conference titles, not an NCAA conference because the NCAA is still coming up. And... That got used to beat us up on these bills. The way I, I tend to say it is, as long as we're not successful, then nobody seems to get that upset. But the minute we're successful, we have to be le legislated so that we become invisible. Because anything more than an invisibility is unacceptable. We're not allowed to succeed. We're not allowed to have our share of the pie, so to speak. So it's, I'm very happy for Leah. Leah has trained hard, was has been successful all her life. This isn't just a new thing. Followed the rules when it comes to what was in place and transitioning. Exactly. Followed the NCAA policy. The NCAA has backed her up and is still letting her compete in all the NCAA tournaments. So when Leah started having that success and it was in the news, then the bill we had went out the window and we were back into discussions. 
We're talking about wingspan, stride, hip to knee, all this, all yeah. this, these bodily components that generally get placed on women or trans women when it comes to sports and competition. Yep, it came down to a commission that would judge bodies. And it's amazing to me how much when we have attacks on transgender individuals, it's about bodies. And it's often about women's bodies. Mm -hmm. And I say women in specifically because if you're too tall, you must be transgender and we have to take you out. If you're too strong, if it doesn't matter fast, whether you're transgender right? or not. Yeah, I'm thinking it, of the South African runner who's had her yeah, female Semenya. Yeah, questioned and... Um, you know, what is otherwise considered a physical advantage in uh, a male having an abnormal whatever in women, it's like, oh, you must be then male. Exactly. So now what this creates, just like it did during the bathroom bills, is judging women's bodies. So our kids are being banned, and I'll get back to the rest of the bill, but by these measurements... We're now judging women's bodies. Probably the transgender boys would go to this commission and be fine because they're trying to say transgender girls can be too tall, transgender girls can have too much wingspan, transgender girls can be too strong. Every bit of discussion we had never talked about transgender boys because they're trying to target the girls. It's it's it just plays into our our um, issues as we're evolving as a society and coming to grips broadly with the gender spectrum. And I, I was talking to Jen Plum, uh, she's a pediatrician, also a mother of a trans child, um, about how what would what would success look like to get beyond this. And I don't know that we're there yet in our conversation to go there, but I want that in your mind as you talk about what happened. The last night of the legislature, last Friday, you were sitting on the Senate floor. And so putting yourself right there, front and center, so people had to look you in the eye. Um, was asking a lot, I'm guessing, of you, but you're up for the battle. So tell me what happened and why. But it's, I didn't know at first when I went to the legislature when the bill might get heard. So we've been waiting for over a week for substitute three, which is an amendment, but mm -hmm. it's an amendment brought up by the sponsors, so they call it a substitute. They substitute one in. So substitute three was what we were waiting for because we had a committee hearing on the Tuesday of the previous week, and the bill passed through the Senate committee, but there was an uproar about these characteristics being listed in the bill. So our expectation was is that this substitute would take the characteristics out. There was possibilities of some other asks that we had in there that were less certain. So this substitute came out late in the morning on Friday. So we had waited all this time without hearing anything, without any meetings. And the bill didn't have any of the other items and it took out most of the characteristics, but still left height and weight in there. Like there had to be something in there to sit here and say what a physical characteristic is. It was strange to me to have to do that. So I went on in to the legislature not knowing when the bill might get heard. I wanted to make sure I was there when they presented it because it's in the legislature, they'll circle bills and they, that's like a pause button. So they'll just vote to uncircle it and all of a sudden it's up for discussion that fast. So if you're not there, you can miss it. So I went in two o'clock to 5.30 was the third session of the day and I got there at two, went up in the gallery. 
After about an hour, uh, Senator Kitchen was waving at me, and so is Senator Reby, and then they texted me and asked me to come down and join them as their guest. So I went down and sat with Senator Kitchen, and we discussed the bill while he was in the middle of voting and reading about the other uh, bills that were going forward. And then I heard that the bill probably wouldn't get heard till after 5 o'clock. We later learned the reasoning. Uh, in or the Bob suspected Gerke's reasoning, article. right? Yeah, Robert Gerke probably, Robert yes. And, you know, everything's a presumption unless someone outright says it to you, right? But, uh, and... Five o'clock on Friday was a deadline to file to run for office, folks, in this next elective cycle. Right. So if you put that with the fact that I was told it would be after five, then no one wants to vote when someone could actually run against them, which it seems like you could do that at three or four. How many people jump out of their couch at 430 in the afternoon saying they voted for this? Let me go run against them. So the presumption being if you're a Republican up for reelection, someone could primary you to the farther right of you if you voted in favor of it. Yes, that's what I would presume. So that session started to get towards 5.30, and the bill wasn't being uncircled. And the sponsor from the House had come in and visited and then left again. So when she left, that's when I realized that it probably wasn't going to be there, but it'd probably be the later session that goes from 7 to midnight. So I looked at, um, I started texting the Equality Utah team that I work with, ACLU, Equality Utah, and, to, and talked with Senator Kitchen and said, should I go back to the gallery so that I'm up there when this bill gets heard, or should I just go ahead and stay down here? And we decided that I would stay down, so that way I'm down there among all the people that are talking about the bill, talking about my community and As our bodies, because it's always about woman, our bodies. you're there, you're representing. Yes, and uh, so we came back, after, there was a little bit later start after seven, and I moved over to sit with, I'd been sitting with Senator Kitchen, I moved over to sit with Senator Reby, and still wasn't coming up, still wasn't coming up, and then uh, Senator Reby had an intern that wanted to sit with her, so I moved over to Senator Davis, and about 8.30 is when Substitute 4 came out. Surprise! Yeah, boom. Something we had never seen before. I mean, the entire thing, it was so much changes to the bill when you look at a comparison of the substitutes, which they always post, things that are lined out are in, are in blue and things that are new are in red. If I got my colors right, it might be the reverse. But it's like the sea of red through this document. They didn't just change a couple things. It was just overhauled. Somebody had been working on this. For a while, for a while. So it's, we're texting, with trying to read and put this together. And, uh, and so, we, I ended up uh, sitting there while they went ahead and debated this bill, and they wouldn't allow the Democrats to pause and read the bill in caucus so they could do it. Because it just showed up. They yeah. needed to read it. That's it. They, it was obvious it wasn't a strange bill to the Republicans, but it was to the Democrats. Again, Republicans so, meet in closed caucus. Yes. And so the Democrats kept asking questions. So we went through over an hour of floor time with them asking questions and making statements. And in the meantime, the House had been on a break. So there was House Democrats behind me too that I went back and talked with. So it was an odd experience of being able to talk about the House and the Senate Democrats and then listening to people talk about my biology that they have zero understanding of, 
comparing me to horses, which happened. Yes, I heard something about fillies and on. Yeah, fillies shouldn't on. run with stallions or something like that. And <sighs> there's some more there's sexist just... commentary for Dr. Susan Madsen's study. Yeah, there we go. It was just so dehumanizing listening to it. You know, you're you're sitting there and you can't say anything. You want to scream out, yeah. you know, we're women, and they just keep talking about your biology being different and having zero understanding of what a transgender body is. Yeah. So it passed the vote, and immediately we we're getting texts that the governor was going to veto it. So the governor was prepared. Mm -hmm. uh, went over the house. They they ran it through pretty quickly because this is occupying a lot of time at the last minute when there's other bills to talk about. So the Senate is currently a veto-proof vote at 16 to 13. I don't know if it'll change if the governor vetoes it. The House is currently a veto-proof vote at 46 to 29, I believe. And I've read yeah. a lot about this. Like, let's not talk about veto proof. It's it's the, the vote shows that they would have to call themselves back into special session, which they gave themselves the power to do a session or two ago, and then vote again to override the veto. So as it stands right now, they'd have to do a lot of work. Right. So they'd have to change some minds. And some of the people who were voting against it were voting against it on procedural grounds because it came up at the last minute. Mm -hmm. They didn't get to talk with their constituents. It didn't get to be a, no public hearings. Nothing. It was just thrown in there completely new. So this bill, surprise substitute number four on the Sports Commission, bans transgender girls specifically from competing in high school sports, right? Yes. And there's a trigger in there if bills like it in other states that are in court um, uh, rule against it, then the commission that you guys had stopped working on would go into effect. Well, not even totally. So the, the wording is if the court enjoins it. So enjoins the it. if you go before court mm -hmm. and they feel like harm can happen, they can pause it and they call that enjoining it. And they say, you can't enforce this bill while we're hearing it. Yeah. The minute it's enjoined, this commission kicks in. So this commission that we hadn't come to an agreement on got totally pushed to the side in the discussion over the ban. So they, they managed to kind of wax over the commission that nobody liked by putting a ban on top of it. Well, Sue, it was a hard legislative session. That means all the work starts over again as we head into interim session in 2022. You need some time to regroup, but do you really have time to take any time off? We're going to have to see. It's We're going to have to get together and look at the strategy and determine what this year is going to look like. It's not going to be a fun one, I suspect. All right, in the minute we have left, um, I feel like I could just keep the mics open and talking to you all night, my friend. I can talk too much. No, me too. <laughs> um, me too. That's not what I meant. I mean, there's so much to keep talking about. So please, you know where we are now in our new studios. Um, let's keep on this and keep uh, stepping up to the mic to plug our community into this. But on International Women's Day, especially when it comes to... Uh, transgender women's rights. What is it that you want to leave folks with after this particularly bruising legislative session? We need to look at all the attacks that are coming out. They are all strategized to chip away at the rights of marginalized communities and they focus on girls and women more often than not. Taking away abortion, taking away health care, the healthcare can be of varying types. Take away access to sports and other social environments because more of a foothold they get, the more they will take. And that is the objective of all of these attacks. 
What's the website for Equality Utah so folks can uh, check out the resources and also get involved? It is equalityutah.org. Sue Robbins, radioactive community co-host emeritus. I miss you. I miss you too. I miss doing everything here. It's really fun. It's enjoyable to lift voices and to hear people's stories. My heart was hurt in the first half of this show. It's important work. Thank you so much. Thank you for always uh, saying yes when I call. And uh, I appreciate you and everything you do in the community. Thank you. I'm Laura Jones. This has been Radioactive, a production of Listeners Community Radio of Utah. We'll see you tomorrow night. KRCL, Salt Lake City.